Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. We have a jam-packed show for you today. So much going on in Flyers land. So much to talk about. Let's get right to it and lead things off with... Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. So I wasn't here last week, which you would know because you listened to the show. And I was under the impression that Kelly disparaged Nolan Patrick, so I had to go back and listen, and she didn't. But my favorite, favorite part of last week's episode was that Charlie is now in the Nolan Patrick Defender camp, so (laughs) thank you for that. And great show, everybody. I love listening to the show as a fan because it's just so good. I don't think anyone's, like, against Nolan Patrick. Like, I mean, yeah, there's crazy people online who are against, like, clean air and shit. So, you know, <laughs> you can find any opinion you want on Twitter if you look long enough. Like, I don't think anyone's against him. I just think the idea of depending on him to be a key contributor on a team that's supposed to compete for a Stanley Cup is foolhardy. If it works out, awesome. We'll all be happy about that. My biggest thing is just writing him off after one season, which... A lot of players miss a season with injury. Like, that happens to a lot of guys in the yeah. NHL. More more in other sports. But, but as you've said, a lot of guys. As you've said, they've missed seasons with injuries. Like, okay, torn ACL. We know how long that takes. You get the surgery, you rehab, you're back in 9 to 12 months. Boom, problem solved. This isn't an injury. This is a disorder right. that we don't know the timetable for. Which you don't need to. As a fan, you don't need to understand brains. As a fan, you understand ligaments-ish because you've seen it before. Fans don't need to understand brains to trust the organization and to trust medical professionals. I, I, I think there's there's an, an interesting point to be made there in that, you know, while I agree that obviously the fact that it's a brain, you know, it's a brain issue, it's, it's something that, you know, can't nest you can't like just open up a guy's brain and see exactly what the problem is and fix it it's not like you can do you know a, a surgery Why the hell like not? you can but at the same time it's an interesting point that Steph that you make in that you know let's let's take a step back and say what if instead of Nolan Patrick having missed the season due to you know a migraine disorder what if it was 
the first week of training camp last September and in a freak practice injury, he tore his ACL and missed the season. Like, would the would people be just as skeptical about how good he is as a player if he would have missed the season for that reason versus now? And I don't think they would be. I think they would be a lot more optimistic about, not, not about his ability to return, because there's complete reason to wonder, you know, this is a very murky injury or disorder, whatever you want to call it. But I do believe there is a bit too much skepticism about his potential as a player if he does get past this than there should be. And I feel like there's more skepticism because of the murky nature of the injury than there would be if it was just an injury that everyone could see. Like, I think Nolan Patrick, like, yeah, he missed a season, and it's like, oh, my God, he's going to miss 20 months, and that sucks. But, like, Steph makes a good point. Like, that can happen if you have a poorly timed injury, and players can come back from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the the biggest thing right now is that fans just don't understand it. Fans don't understand. Fans understand a broken femur. They don't understand a, a brain disorder. They don't get it. So they're just writing him off because they don't want to understand. Well, I mean, I think people understand that it's not a, a, a question with an answer. So they're going to one, there's a lot of people who are just terrified of getting their hopes up, like, oh no. And two, there were questions before this about his overall potential as a number two no. overall pick. Jesus. No, there weren't. Yes, there I mean, were. I mean, there, there were After watching him for two years, you're going to tell me, like, oh yeah, franchise center. Because that's what we thought we were getting on draft day. He was 18 years old. There's a lot of 18-year-olds who look better than he did. Um... I wouldn't say a lot. There are a few. There's a few a every year. Maybe. Maybe. But. There were several in his draft class. Were there? I would well, rather have what's-his-face. More. I, there were like Kale. two or three, maybe. Not. Uh, that's more than well, one, it, but I wouldn't say several. It's, and it's basi- all it's but basically one of Mc- them was Mc- drafted after him. Yeah, it's basically Makar, Haskinen, and, and uh, Pedersen. Those are the guys that yeah. everybody's going to point to. Because they were drafted right after him. So, like. And but that that said, none of those guys made the NHL their first season, so it is kind of a different timeline. I mean, they all came up in their second in their second draft season, and they all killed it. I mean, well, actually, McCarr McCarr came up in his third, but he had that playoff run in his second that had everything. He had that playoff and then yeah. came in, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like even so then, saw, like they we have... saw Nolan Patrick long before those other teams saw their players from that same draft, but in their rookie years, were ahead of him in his second and non-existent third. Which is fair. Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't hold the non-existent third against him I, because it, just because he had zero points this year doesn't that's mean That's not that. good. You got to get points. <laughs> you got to get points. We talked about this at length. It's just, to me, it has more to do just with his development. Now he's another year behind after injuries to start his career. He's still... He just turned 22. Yes. Just turned 22. Under a normal timeline, he would just be making the NHL this season. Like, I think that everyone just needs... All I'm asking for is for people to calm down. You don't have to believe in him. You don't have to think that he's the second coming. You don't have to think that he's a franchise center. Just calm down. Never. That's it. Just like a little bit. I, I refuse to be calm. Like, when, when Steph Driver is asking you to calm I down, know, right? like, you know, like, <laughs> you, you need to look in the mirror and, and take a look at your life. Look at your life. Look at your choices. 
From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So speaking of players that people are strangely starting to just disregard as impact players, I want to make the point here, because I've seen this a lot over the last like month or so on social media, I want to make the point and reiterate that Travis Konechny is a really good player, and I, I feel like we're forgetting that he was the team's top scorer and had a massive breakout year in 28, 2019, 2020, just because he wasn't good in the playoffs. Like, we shouldn't just be tossing him in trade proposals because he's really good. Like, I'm not saying that he has to be untouchable. I'm not saying that, you know, if you have a chance to get a, a superstar that I'm not convinced Patrick Lyonet is, but if you can get an actual superstar, would I trade Travis Konechny? Sure. But, like, Travis Konechny is essentially, what Travis Konechny is right now is essentially the ceiling of every single forward prospect that the Flyers have. Like, if Morgan Frost becomes Travis Konechny good, that's, like, the best possible outcome for Morgan Frost. Oh, if yeah. Ty if, if Tyson Forrester becomes Travis Konechny good, like, we're not, ex we're not expecting any of the forward prospects the Flyers have to be, like, Austin Matthews good. Travis Konechny is the ceiling. So, like... Everyone in the Joel Farabee, Travis Konechny is a ceiling for Joel Farabee. Not like the same type of player, but in terms of impact, that's a ceiling. So like, let's not throw away a guy who is essentially the best we can hope for out of all the kids in the organization. There's a lot of playoff recency bias amongst this family. Oh right now. yes, there is. Like everyone has completely forgotten how good everyone looked in the regular well, season, and I get it. It's been Somewhere between three months and 75 years. I don't know exactly yeah. how long it's been. Um, but but still, like, you can you can reach back a little bit and remember how good everyone was before they shit the bed in the playoffs. I was going to say, to be fair, like, be fair, the regular though. season ended seven fucking months ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, like, okay, Travis Konechny in a vacuum has a bad playoff. We all go, ah, eh, what are you going to do? I mean, not like that, but we can disregard it and be like, it's one playoff, you know? Given the reputation, deserved or not, of guys like Claude Giroux already, I I'm not saying I agree. I'm just saying I understand the sentiment of, we got a whole team of regular season players. We got a regular season coach. Like, I can, I understand. I'm not saying I agree. Just saying I understand where people are coming from, and it's going to take playoff success for people to change their opinion on that. Yeah, I, I, I guess, and kind of bringing this back to Konechny, I guess the thing with Konechny was I, I did get that impression that people were just kind of like, well, that stinks that he had a bad playoff, but, like, it's just one bad playoff. But then you're seeing people talking about trading him. And, like, look— I'm not saying that I think, like, including Travis Konechny in a trade for Patrick Laine is inherently stupid because Laine maybe has a skill set that the Flyers really need, but it's objectively true that Travis Konechny is a better hockey player right now than Patrick Laine. He is. Like, yeah. he's, he's, he's mm -hmm. a better—right now, now, you can argue that Laine maybe has a higher ceiling, that if Laine becomes the 50-goal scorer on a yearly basis that— people think he can be, then he will be better than Travis Konechny. That's fair. And that's why I don't think it's ridiculous to talk about him in a trade. But, like, Konechny's better. He's a better player now. So, like, let's not— At this not... moment right now, yes. Yes. So, like, le given... let's, let's not, like— And you, you, want, you want to hear the justification as to why Travis is a better player right now? Because Winnipeg's willing to trade Patrick Laine. If Patrick Laine was better <laughs> than Konechny, they would not be willing to trade him. Like, that the the reason why he's being willing to be— they're, they're willing to trade him— 
in addition to the fact that they're afraid in three years he's going to pull Jacob Trouber and bail, is that he isn't as good as some people think he is. That's why they're considering it, because it's like, well, we're going to have to pay him $10 million. Is he actually a $10 million player? You know, this is why a guy gets put on the market. A guy doesn't get put on the market unless he's, like, flat-out demanding a trade, which I don't get the sense line A is. Like, there's been some talk with his agents being, like, it might be better, but I think that's more them just trying to maybe push Winnipeg in the direction of moving him. But, like, he's not at the point where he's going to sit out if he's going to get if – he, if he's not no, going to trade. No, but I will say – I will say, like, floating the idea of $10 million when you're, like, maybe a 30-goal scorer at this point to Winnipeg, a small market team, that's asking for a trade without asking for a trade. Yeah, right. To a point. To a point. Yeah. Where's this $10 million number coming from? It ain't coming from their front office, so it's coming <laughs> from his agent. You know, like, he is not worth 10 minutes. That's Travis Konechny is better right now. I think Patrick Line could be better. But if you're going to ask me, like, Konechny for what he's signed for or Line A 10 million, yeah, I'd rather have fucking Konechny. I am so sick of this fan base. I'm very, very <laughs> sorry to every single one of our listeners. Well, I can't wait to get sorry. into Toronto then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Love Maple Leafs. Love. I'm so sick of this. This what have you done for me lately? Fan base. I mean, it's like, not even lately though, Steph. It's fucking ten. It'll be eleven seasons since their last Stanley Cup final appearance. Like I'm talking just about Travis Konechny. People Simply are rightfully like excited to move past. Oh wow, we won a round. What a day! Like, listen, fine. But the answer to that is not by no, trading Travis no, Konechny. I'm going back to Charlie's original point because I was eating pretzels and I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> also, Bear. Charlie's also, also, original point about Travis Konechny. Also, no, also wrong, Bear, like, Bear was barking, I, so you couldn't talk. Bear was also barking. <laughs> it was a whole thing. I'm going back to the original point. Travis Konechny is amazing, and he was born to be a flyer. And if you're trying to trade him, please, once again, look at your life. Look at your choices. And, like, as Charlie said, if Patrick Laine was so... We say all the time, like, people don't want a goal scorer. People want Alex Ovechkin. Those players aren't available. If Winnipeg thought he was that guy, he would not be available. Last but... Jesus. Last (laughs) but not least, we are still on intros. Kelly Hinkle. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to actually talk about how um, I read a thing about... Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler getting to choose their own line mates in Winnipeg, and apparently they don't want to play with line A, which I find is interesting. At least that was the suggestion. Maybe he smells bad. Maybe. But I don't want to talk about that anymore. I want to talk about how There's no way he smells bad. He might. He's got weird hair. He had that beard that one time. (laughs) He might smell. Oh, God, that awful beard. Oh, that Amish beard? Yeah. It was awful. Anyway, I'm obsessed with Tyson Forster being a sheep farmer. It's my new oh, obsession. Yeah. I, I saw that article. Hold on. Is he a sheep farmer? He's, Tell me everything. He's a sheep farmer. Sammy J put out an article today about how he used to work on his family's sheep farm and he like learned lessons or something from doing this. But it's like so stereotypically like Canadian hockey player, like stupid Ontario farm boy. Like I, I'm obsessed with it. It's wonderful. I kind of love it. Like me too. Brock Les- Brock Lesnar grew up on a dairy farm and, like, is just the fucking beast incarnate. Like, I hope that's what Tyson Forster is, too. I just imagine that they're all, like, dairy on Letterkenny. Yeah, Like, exactly. up there with their barn clothes on. 
<laughs> yeah, like Tyson Forster absolutely goes to the bar in his barn clothes. For sure. <laughs> oh, Travis Sanheim is back on his family's farm driving the combine. Like, that's what he's doing Jesus. in the offseason. Does anyone remember? I mean, only Charlie will remember this. Uh, Roy Oswalt hurt his back uh, doing something with, like, a forklift after, like, a yeah. natural disaster in his hometown. And he oh, was, like, God, never yeah. the same. I do remember that. Man, injuries Ugh. are weird. Remember the time that, um, what was it? Uh, Ryan Madsen blew a save and then kicked a chair and broke his toe. Kicked a chair like a and broke his toe or something? <laughs> that was great. Oh, baseball. Okay, let's get to the hockey, though. Uh, so we have a little bit of Flyers news here to get to off the top. Uh, first and foremost, the aforementioned Nolan Patrick accepts his qualifying offer. Uh, it turned out like he didn't really have any options. Uh, obviously no arbitration he hasn't played enough games in his career for an offer sheet not like anyone would be like oh gotta go get nolan patrick but i would wonder if someone was like hey here's two and a half million nolan patrick with the flyers of match but that's neither here nor there um it, like he just really he missed the whole year so it's not like he has a negotiating leg to stand on this was just what was going to happen. He would accept his qualifying offer and hopefully be ready to go, be the 3C, put up a bunch of points, and we're all happy next year when he gets a multi-year deal. I'm actually surprised that he signed his qualifying offer because he has played a, a lot of games in the NHL. Like when you sign your entry-level contract, you haven't played any games. He's played a lot of games, and he's scored over 60 points proving that he's an NHL talent. I'm surprised that his agent didn't push for at least a million dollars. But there's a possibility he doesn't play at all. Like, I don't know how well, you Well, then could... the Flyers don't have to pay him. That's easy. Then the contract means nothing well, if no, he doesn't well, play. Well, no, they still I do. mean, they as still have to pay him. They still have to pay Yeah, as, as long as he shows up. Like, like, the only way they get out of paying the contract is if it's a Niskanen situation where Niskanen is technically still under contract. He just doesn't show up, and then they can suspend him without pay. I... Highly doubt Patrick would just not show up. Um, but no, it's it's interesting. Um, I, I'm kind of with you, Steph, in that I I thought he was going to get more than just the, the, the qualifying offer. I thought that the team, you know, maybe it was going to be a two-year deal. Maybe it was going to be a one-year deal with a little bit more. But I guess, yeah, I guess he just didn't have any leverage. You know, no arbitration, no offer sheet. I know teams don't, like, I, I know offer sheets never happen. But I guess, like, the possibility that in theory they could, it at least gives an agent some type of leverage at the bargaining table because the player could be like, well, you know, if you keep lowballing me, I'll just find a team and sign, sign an offer sheet for $1.2 million, and there you go. So I guess the Flyers just kind of told them, like, look, you know, we're just going to treat this as if it's the fourth year of an entry-level deal. So deal with it. I, uh, and this is, again, like, he wasn't eligible for the offer sheet, and teams don't do them. But I always think, like, it's under-weaponized for mid-level players. Oh, like, I agree. Because, yeah. yeah. like, no one's get like, uh, fucking uh, Nashville, that's what I'm trying to think. Like, Nashville isn't going to part with Shea Weber, you know? They'll overpay, and it wasn't even an overpay, it's just a ridiculous contract in the long term. They will overpay for Shea Weber. Like, someone will overpay for their superstar. When you get into, like, a flat cap situation like this and someone goes, hey, like the Ryan Kessler offer sheet that, uh, that Clark tried to get, uh, yeah, tried, yeah. To, tried to get, like, hey, here's a guy who hasn't broken out yet. Here's a little bit more than he's worth. 
let's see if the team's interested. And, like, ultimately they were. We didn't get him. But, like, I, I, like something like that I think is, like, a good use of the offer sheet that never happens. Well, my favorite, you, yeah. my favorite use of the offer sheet, and, like, this is the one thing I don't understand why it doesn't happen more often. Because, like, look, I get to a point the the concept of like well you don't want to piss off other GMs because you know there it's a it's not I wouldn't say it's an old boys club but it's like you know if if, if you screw over somebody if you screw over somebody then like you're gonna get you know maybe they're gonna get back at you maybe teams won't work with you but like my favorite use of an offer sheet was the San Jose Chicago thing when they offer sheeted this was like right in the height of their rivalry so like those two teams are both really good in the West they played each other in the playoffs they weren't gonna make trades with each other anyway. And San Jose offers Sheets Chalmerson for probably more than he was going to get. Chicago matches it. And then because they match it, they could no longer afford to pay Antti Niemi, who then becomes a free agent, who San Jose then signs to be their goalie. Like, that, to me, was, like, that was the perfect usage of the mid-tier offer sheet. And that's the kind of shit, like, like, shit, like, Pittsburgh is not going to do a trade with the Flyers anyway. If Pittsburgh ever has a useful, you know, unrestricted free agent that could be offer sheeted, fucking offer sheet them. They're not going to trade with you anyway. Who cares? You hate each other. <laughs> That's, I think it's the Flyers and Devils have never made a trade, I believe. Yeah, yeah. offer sheet, sheet when, the hell out of the Devils. I don't care. Yeah. Remember when the Flyers had to trade Mark Streit to Tampa Bay just for him to go to Pittsburgh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> And hey, they got an extra seven out of it. You know, that's a... (laughs) They did. (laughs) All right. So, like, uh, basically the Flyers, they have pretty much everybody under contract. 12 NHL forwards, including Nolan Patrick, both goalies, six D-men. But we're waiting on Phil. When does Phil Myers get done? Obviously, it's a little more complicated. I'm not saying contentious, but just complicated with moving pieces like... Flat cap, potential, he's going to be used as a top four defenseman. Is he really yet? Like, when do we think this gets sorted? I know it's going to happen, but every day that it goes on, I get worried about it. They're working on it. Worried about it. I know. I mean, it'll get worked out. I I assume... And this is just a guess. I, I there are some negotiations I have inside info on this one. I do not. Um, but but um, my <laughs> guess is that they're probably trying to hammer out some type of longer ish deal. Because if they were just if they were just going to do a two year deal, there are so many easy comparables that you would think it would get done very quickly. And the fact that it's not done yet, and the fact that they the two sides have been talking, with which Fletcher confirmed last week, that leads me to believe that they're trying to come up with like you know, a three, four, five-year term that makes sense because there aren't a lot of comps in those those term ranges. So it's a harder negotiation because there just aren't a lot of players you can look to. So you sort of just have to hammer it out. You know, I guess you can't do it at the table anymore. You got to do it over, you know, over Zoom or over the phone. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I just, it, the fact that it hasn't happened yet and the fact that now the Flyers have some cap space to, to do it, I feel like, my my guess, and again, this is just a guess, is that they both sides probably know they can always fall back on the, the two-year deal if they have to. 
but they're trying to work out a longer term deal, see if they can pull it together. And if they can't, you know, and if it drags out through through the winter, then they could always just fall back on the easy two year deal that's cheap and just do a bridge deal. But my guess is they're probably trying to see if they can make a longer thing work, which is good because I mean I think the Flyers could benefit from a longer term deal with Phil Myers if they can pull it off. Oh yeah, I mean we talked last off season about how Sanheim not getting the longer term deal could ultimately, you know, be be a detriment to the Flyers cap situation. Like if he breaks out in a contract year, uh, obviously, you know, you have a good player, pay him, cool, you have a good player under contract, but if you get him on uh, you know, a prover of length deal for under what you think he's going to be worth, that's ultimately beneficial. Uh so the Leafs, Caps, Ducks, Golden Knights, Blues, and Coyotes are all currently over the salary cap. Flyers are like $4.8 million under the cap. Obviously, they still have to get Phil Myers done. Is there any way to take advantage of this situation? Anyone on those teams you think we could poach because of their problems? Just any thoughts? Do they want a Jacob Chikrin? <laughs> I don't think they want to trade a Jacob Chikrin. <laughs> I want a Jacob Chikrin. I think the I think the um um the Coyotes are fine because number one, even though they are technically over the cap, like they're actually not paying the players nearly as much as they have in cap space. Like a lot think, of backloaded like, contracts. Yeah, they're they, they're paying them like twenty million dollars less, like fewer dollars than uh, than they actually have for cap space. And then secondly, they can always just put Marion Hosa, who they are still technically they still technically have him on their books. They can always put oh, him on yeah. long term IR because he obviously can't play. So I think the Coyotes are fine. As for the other teams, I think it just comes down to fit. You know, yeah, these teams are over the cap, but, like, who are the Flyers going to poach that fits? And I think we're going to get into this a little bit later with what Chuck Fletcher said, but it's like, okay, they don't really need another winger. They need another defenseman, yes, but it has to be a very specific type of defenseman, you know, the kind of defenseman that can replace Matt Niskanen. So I don't know if any of those teams have a guy like that who they're willing to trade. So that basically just leaves center. You know, do do any of those teams have like a useful, cheapish center who can be there in case Nolan Patrick isn't ready and in case Morgan Frost isn't ready? And I haven't looked into that, but to me, that's really the only fit because I don't know if the, any of the other positions really fit, if that makes sense. The Blues have this player. Uh, his brother just won a cup. Uh, his oh name's Braden <laughs> Sheen. Oh, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> Is my cat named after him? <laughs> Uh, that's all I was thinking last night. I was like, how fucking funny would that be? But obviously, probably not going to happen. I mean, like, like, I mean, one guy, I guess one guy on the Blues who's mildly interesting is Tyler Bozak, but, like, I just don't think that works financially unless, like, the Blues, like, retained half his salary. I, I don't know. I mean, the, I guess there's some options and there's some cap space there. But the big thing is, is that the Flyers probably want to keep some cap space open if they yeah. are indeed trying to sign Phil Myers long term. Because if you sign Phil Myers short term, you have cap space. If you sign him long term, that eats into it. But the, the thought is, is that, yeah, you might have less cap space this year, but you're going to make it back in the savings in two, three, four, five years. I'll tell you, man. That Andrew McDonald buyout at almost $2 million this year, that's a real pain in the dick. It's not great. Like, I'm glad he's gone and it's worth whatever. Just not having to watch him. Exactly. If they don't have $1.92 million, that's ah, not my problem. Ain't my money. But, like, 
God damn, that'd be a useful $2 million. Who could have predicted a flat cap because of a global pandemic? <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth, though. I would I would deal with a $5 million cap hold, not to have yeah, to watch like, I would... McDonald play hockey anymore. <laughs> I would contribute to a GoFundMe if that's what it came down to. <laughs> All right, uh, so Fletcher's Friday presser. I honestly saw these quotes and thought we already talked about it, but apparently it was something different. Uh, so we're going to get into that a little and about what the general manager of the team had to say about some things. Uh, and first and foremost, it's like what we spent half of uh, half of last, last show talking about. Ghost and the other Eric Gustafson, can they play in the same lineup? Uh, some pretty interesting quotes, and like obviously... What else is uh, what else is Fletcher gonna say? Like, oh no, this is untenable. We absolutely have to move <laughs> Eric Gustafson. Other GMs, I'm desperate. Please bail me out. Like, no, I don't think he's gonna say that. But he answers the question absolutely. They're both real good players. I'm not sure stylistically they are as similar as you may think. Uh, Gus has just got a trim. Gus just got tremendous deception and vision. I think he generates offense a little bit differently than Ghost. Ghost probably has got the best shot of anybody on our team. That's interesting, considering he hasn't hit the net in, say, two years. Uh, But nobody did in the playoffs, so what are you going to do about that, I guess? Can they play in the same lineup? Of course they can. They can. Should they? I I don't know. (laughs) That's that's exactly (laughs) right, Kelly. They definitely can. (laughs) So the the argument I'll make against this is that, like, I I understand where Fletcher's coming from, and I do agree that it's not like like Eric Gustafson and Shane Gospier are clones. They're not. You know, and and Fletcher hinted at this, that Gustafson's actually a really good passer. That's where he generates a lot of his offensive value. He's got great vision. He sees the ice extremely well, and he sets up his teammates – you know, on stretch passes, passes in the offensive zone, activating to set up guys in the in high danger areas. Like that's where he's good. Whereas Ghost is basically just like a mad bomber. I mean, he has that slap shot, the ghost bomb, everybody knows it. So it's not that they're the same player. It's that they kind of have to be used in the same role in terms of usage. And that's the concern is that they're both guys who ideally are sheltered offensively oriented guys in your third pair that maybe if they have bounce back years and they show that they are two-way threats again then you can move them up the lineup and the question is is that how do you get either one of them to that point if they both need to be in the same spot to begin with and that to me is the concern it's not that they're the same player they're not I just don't know because if you're going to have both them in the same lineup you have to do one of two things you either A, have to put them on the same pair on the third pair, which yes! I, just do, I just don't see an NHL coach doing. Like, I, I guess it's possible. I just don't see an NHL coach doing it. Or no. you have to basically tell one of Shane Gosper or Eric Gustafson, both of whom did not have good seasons last year, that you are going to be in the top four and you're going to get the assignments that go with being in the top four. And I don't know if an NHL coach is going to be willing to do that considering how underwhelming both were last season. Now, maybe... You know, maybe you say, okay, we signed Gustafson. It's a fresh start. We're going to put you on the second pair. Maybe they do that. But I'm just skeptical. I don't know. Maybe it happens, but I'm just skeptical. I'm skeptical of the of the fit, not because they're the same player, but because they seem to fit in the same spot. I love this quote, though. Um, I think they're a little bit different talking about Gustafson and Ghost. 
they are both better offensively than defensively, probably not probably. Uh, <laughs> but I think both. But I think both of them actually defend pretty well. Why not? I think Provorov's. I think Provorov's elite defensively. Sanheim and Myers, in my opinion, will become elite shutdown defensemen in this league. Justin Braun is an elite defender. Haig is a good defender. So why not have a couple of? So why not have a couple of guys that can spring your offense? If we can defend less, that would be a great thing. Chuck, you're talking my language. Can I just real quick? Even Chuck Fletcher is like elite defenseman, elite defenseman, elite defenseman. Hangs good. He's <laughs> fine. There's, there's been a couple times. I don't think it, it wasn't in this one, but there's been a couple times where like Chuck will be, um, he'll be talking about like players and be praising them, and then he'll he'll end it with like, and so and so is a player. And I love that. I love like, and you know, he he plays hockey. I mean, he does. He's on the ice. He does things. Come on, guys. Amazing. We don't have personalized sticks for him. There's just a bin of the extras, and he gets those. But I just I just feel he like Claude Giroux's broken. I I feel like the he's a player is like hockey speak for he sucks, but I can't say he sucks. Oh, that's amazing. Can you start keeping track of who's a player? I, I, I will. I will keep track like, of this. Just for this show, it doesn't have to be published, but I need to know who's just a player. Yeah. Oh, my God. So one thing I did find interesting about that, that quote, I, Bill, I agree. I like the if we can defend less, that would be a great thing mentality. Um, I'm really, really high on Travis Sandheim. I do not think he's going to be an elite shutdown defenseman. <laughs> Yeah, he's not really a shutdown. He's not a defensive defenseman. As like Myers, Myers, I, I can see, I can like, at least envision it. Sandheim, mm, not sure, Chuck. The fact that he put them together and said "will become," I think he just meant like, and like you know, he's trying to build up his guys and sure, he's trying sure. to make a point. He's trying to make a point about two other players who definitely aren't this thing. But it's like they'll become an elite pair. And if they always have the puck, well, then they're a shutdown pair. Like, you know, yeah, that's fair. the other team only has the puck 40% of the time. Guess what? They're shutting them down uh, unless, like, Briz comes back and then, you know, <laughs> every shot goes in. Uh, but I, I see where he's coming from, but I did find that funny, too. Like, I don't know about elite shutdown, but whatever. Uh, do we but like, okay, I, if we can defend less, that would be a great thing. Love that quote. You're going to start the season with Haig and Braun on your third pair who do nothing but be on defense. Like, unless something changes, they're going to be out there together. Meh. I mean, I'm sure that he knows in his soul that that's not ideal. But it is what it is right now. So, you know. If... I guess we're going to have to be on defense sometimes. Sometimes. Allegedly. And you hope that it's, you know, against the other team's bad players. It's the best you can hope for, really. That's, uh, well, get on it, A.V. Uh, <laughs> so, much like there may, may not be a perfect fit uh, on defense, and they're going to have to sort this thing out, maybe Braun moves into the top four, who the hell knows? That's probably what it's going to be to start, at least. Uh, they didn't target a winger because, basically, they're all set at wing. They're, they're full. They're full of wingers. And as I just said earlier, like, they do have 12 NHL forwards under contract with Nolan Patrick. It's not like they can just go out and sign some depth pieces. Uh, 
Do we agree they're fine on wing, though? They have Giroud, Jake, Konechny, Limblom, JVR, and Farabee. If you're keeping track, that's six guys. That's your top nine of wings. Are, are they all good there? I, I yes. Yeah. Yes. Wasn't it, was it Charlie last week that said when the Flyers hear that people want them to get a top six winger, they wonder if fans can count? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> and, and, and Fletcher just echoed it. Like that's that's the thing that people in the Flyers organization like. You talk to people in the Flyers organization, and they acknowledge we need another defenseman. Like we need it. We need an Iskander replacement long term. They acknowledge that the the Patrick situation is nebulous. They acknowledge that Frost might not be ready, and that adds questions. But they look at it like, why do you guys want a wing so bad? Like our wings are fine. Like not that they couldn't be better, but they're fine and. I mean, you read off those names and like, yeah, that's you have basically what, like three wings that are undoubtedly first line quality in Giroux, Voracek, Konechny. You have one guy in Lindblom who was trending to be like that before out of nowhere he got fucking cancer. And then you have a guy like JVR who like, yeah, he's not a guy you want necessarily on your top line. But when he's having a good season, he produces like a top liner. And then you got Joel Farabee, who's a really good prospect, who's already a decent NHLer. Like, yeah, those are good top nine wings. So, Charlie asked the question in the outline, this doesn't close the door on line A because presumably he would be an upgrade on what they have, right? And, like, I think the thought is there, a Konechny would go in a line A trade. So, like, that's swapping one out for the other. You're still at, you know, your six wingers. Uh, but thinking about JVR, yes, he gets paid a ton of money. And yes, in a good season, especially with power play production, he's producing like a top six forward. But like, I don't know. Wouldn't Mike Hoffman make this team better? I don't want Mike Hoffman and his locker room cancer anywhere near this team. Yeah, there's a reason why he's so available. Because he's quite good at hockey. But life is bad. A- like, this team and this locker room, like, they're a close group of guys. I don't want whatever baggage he's bringing near my babies. I'm, I'm just going to stand back on that. Like, it, it, that whole situation was just so weird. Mm-hmm. That, it like, was very weird. I, I mean, look, I'm not here to say that, you know, that, that this is definitely what happened. All I'm here to say is that, like, I don't know if that's going to happen again. So, like, that that strikes me of, like, like, look, there might have been really terrible things done in that situation. It's very possible. I just don't think it's something that's going to replicate in other locker rooms. So I'm not terribly concerned about it. My thing is I just don't think Mike Hoffman, at least the Mike Hoffman that's been playing down in Florida the last few years, is actually an upgrade over any of the guys they already have in their top nine except okay. maybe except maybe Joel Farabee, except we're expecting Joel Farabee to get better, which is why you have to play him so he gets better. You can't just park him in the minors and be like, good luck, kid. You have to actually give him minutes in scoring situations for him to become a scorer. Like Mike Hoppin, the only thing Mike Hoppin brings is that he shoots the puck a lot, and he's a sniper, and stylistically he brings something. But in terms of overall game, I mean, he is, at least he was in Florida, he's trash defensively. And, like, yeah, I mean, if you could maybe in, less. I- maybe in an ideal world, you know, if we're talking about the most forward-thinking type of team, you say, all right, well, we're going to put you on, your, on, on our fourth line, and then you're going to play top power play minutes. But in all honesty, like, 
I like the Flyers' fourth line. I, we I already like have a, one JVR. Yeah, like I like a Michael Roffel, Scott Lawton, Nick Albay, Cubell fourth line. I don't know if I want to screw that up by putting Mike Hoffman, a guy who just doesn't give a shit about playing defense on that line. So, look, I understand you look at Mike Hoffman and you say that, well, he scores, get a scorer. But then I look at the guys they already have, and it's like, yeah, I don't really know if he actually fits. And, you know, if, yeah, if you could get him on a one-year, $1 million contract, I'd take him in a second. But if I have to pay, even if I have to give him a $4 million contract over one year, like, I don't know if it's really worth it. All right, one more, and then we're going to pause for a break, just because I thought that this, uh, I mean, this was just a sensical quote from a man who lives in reality in Chuck Fletcher, like, asked why they didn't spend a ton of money. <laughs> like, yeah, asked why they didn't go out and, like, go big game hunting in free agency. He says, if you go back to last summer, we signed Kevin Hayes. If you go back to the summer before that, we signed JVR. I think as an organization, there's only so many multi-year contracts you can either acquire via trade or sign in free agency uh, with average annual values of five, six, seven, eight, nine million. There's just a limit, especially in the flat cap era. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's being a coward, but it's kind of just true. No. The most important point, the most important point that I need every single listener to take away from this entire podcast is it was not Bill who wrote those words. No, (laughs) no, this was Charlie. It was not Bill. Charlie wrote, is this a fair point or is Fletcher just being a coward? (laughs) I know know what stirs up Bill. I know what stirs up Bill and I knew that would do it. I got to get Bill (laughs) on a run so we can make good content for you, gang. I had two pumpkin cream cold brews with three shots of espresso each. Oh, my Lord. Yikes. Yeah. I don't know how I'm alive sometimes. In in, in all seriousness, though, it's a completely fair point. And, you know, I think maybe we forget that both those guys, even though we really shouldn't, considering everyone's complaining about James Ramsey's contract all the time, but we forget that those guys were big-ticket free agents because they weren't the biggest-ticket free agent. Like, it would be a different story if they would have went out and they would have got Panarin because then it would have been like, oh, yeah, they got the big guy. Whereas with Hayes, even though he's so far worked out great, and JVR, it was kind of like they got, like, a name on the second tier. And that doesn't mm-hmm. feel like enough to a lot of people, which is why you look back and you're like, oh, yeah, they did give out $35 million and then $50 million in consecutive seasons to big-name free agents. Like, yeah, I guess maybe this is it's okay that this offseason they're not doing that. But that's probably why, is that they haven't... The Flyers have not gotten someone where it feels to fans, fans who like the flashy signing. It doesn't feel like they won when they got... Kevin Hayes or when they got James Van Ribzik wasn't like holy shit this great player picked us it was well we got like he's not Matt Duchesne he's okay and it's like JVR it's like yeah well, he's better he's than not- Matt Duchesne turns out yeah it's like and with JVR it was like well he's not John Tavares so like yeah, yeah. but like that was I think that's what I think drives this is this feeling that like the Flyers haven't gotten that big win in free agency or via trade and that's what I think drives a lot of that you know that feeling that's you would, they need one pajama boy <laughs> i mean you would just think that if you were a person that was so pissed off about the kevin hayes signing the money the length of the contract the fact that he wasn't the number one guy on the list and now you love him perhaps learn a lesson and like one time <laughs> and then like look at nashville and matt duchene and right. be like 
oh, yes, it doesn't always work out. You know, <laughs> I'd much rather have Kevin Hayes. And I'd much rather like, have Kevin like Hayes at seven. Him. Yeah. Like, then Duchesne at eight and a half, and I was on the Duchesne train. All right, what we're going to do is take a little break here, and then we're going to talk about those awesome knockoff jerseys we saw. Uh, so we'll be back on the other side. Just give us a second. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Ah, oh, welcome back, everybody. I hope you, uh, you patronize that product and or service uh, that was just advertised. I use it and love it or am subscribed <laughs> to it. Uh, it, is, it is wonderful. It has enriched my life to the umpteenth degree. Uh, I hope everybody saw the the leaked, I guess they're calling them reverse retro jerseys. Uh, there's a story on broadstreethockey.com. You can see the picture of them. Uh, I, th- I tweeted, and it got a little bit of run. Uh, my Twitter, like, for as popular as this show is, Nobody cares about what I tweet. Like, <laughs> if, I get, like, if I get, like, 12 likes, I am so happy. Truly. But I said, uh, this looks like something you would pick up at Sports Authority to play street hockey in. I love it. Um, I, <laughs> I, think some other, love it. I think some other people have some other opinions. What did we think about these leaks? I called it a Foreman Mills ass jersey. So there you that's go. My that's my thoughts. That's, it, that's good. It looks like we're not officially allowed to lace, to use a, an actual Flyers jersey. This is yeah. a close enough approximation that people will buy it for $20. <laughs> no, like, this is something I feel like if you showed up to, like, fifth grade in this jersey, someone would have been like, yo, that's fake, you asshole. Uh-huh. Like, you'd get made fun of for wearing it. But that kind of makes me like it now. Oh, I mean. Hold on. I haven't actually seen this jersey, even though it's on the website. Oh, read broadstreethockey.com, Stephanie. That's I know. You, that's what you always say to me. When I first I looked at it, it didn't even clue into me that it, they just took the white parts and the black parts and reversed them. Because <laughs> looking at it, like, just looking at it, like, that doesn't, it, it doesn't seem clear to me that that's what they did, but that is what they did. And somehow that made it worse. I like it. I, I just think Good it's different. You. It's just, it's different. Like, I don't know. It's not good. I wouldn't call it bad. <laughs> it just is. Like, what I do you want? It's a Flyers I, jersey. I just want a, a third jersey that I personally am insisting on having, which is the 90s black. I don't know why I can't just have it. Other people want it, too. There's, like, three other people that want There's it, and they're several. all our friends. And they never shut up about it. 
Yeah. And and they're all our they're all your friends and have any <laughs> nobody friends? ever stops talking about. Squeaky them. wheel gets the oil, Kelly. <laughs> Keep going. All I want is for the 2012 Winter Classic jersey to be the forever third jersey. That's it. Yeah, they were good. I I like them. That's um it. yeah. They're good. They're I, amazing. Keep it. I I think this jersey is fine. Like I just I I was shocked it it inspired so much hate. Because it's just like okay, I mean, it's kind of a it's I think kind of a cool idea. You know, you're it's Twitter, the Charlie, black and the white, and it's it's fine, like whatever. And I guess I, I was talking to a couple friends about this uh, off Twitter that like I am just so exhausted by Jersey discourse when it comes to really all Philadelphia teams, but especially the Flyers because it just goes the same way. Something gets released, we all fucking hate it and then within two or three months it's like well it's not that bad and then after like a year after we stop using it it's well i actually like that one like it's the the initial thought is always to hate the new jersey because it's not what we wanted which was we just want the old jerseys back that we liked like that's that in my mind is why this is where all this hate stems from is that like nothing is going to be good because it's not the 90s orange or it's Precisely. not the late 90s early 2000s black like everyone just has their their it's like the eagles with kelly green like the eagles would do anything to their jerseys and it would suck because we just want the kelly green and i think it's the same we thing want the, the color of losers back kelly green baby <laughs> I it is the color up. of losers can it confirm is. oh your name's kelly oh <laughs> <Ooh, laughs> cell phone can always appreciate a good cell phone the best kind of own NNST. Um, <laughs> God damn it. I forget what my point was going to be about these jerseys. Uh, oh, Charlie. The, They've uh, got very orange pit stains. <laughs> they do. <laughs> I think the one jersey that nobody ever came around on was the 50th anniversary with the gold lining. Oh, yeah. They were, they were bad. They were those bad. are I mean, hideous. for a reason. They're terrible. Those are, those are objectively bad. All the other ones they've put out I've liked. Like the pumpkin ones that they wore in the outdoor game. I I, I dug those. Um, I love the big numbers on the black ones. I think those are fine. Uh, I, do we? Is this worse than the Quakers jersey? Because I love the Quakers jersey and still no. want one even though it was fake. Oh, the uh, fake it's not worse. Yeah, that was really yeah. bad. That was bad. So I, my my two rules for Flyers jerseys, and I think I think generally speaking, everyone can agree with the first. I think it's the second one that's a deal breaker for some people, obviously, because some crazy people think those black jerseys were good. Um, the first rule is that don't fuck with the logo. Like all yes. of the really bad Flyers jerseys, you fuck with the logo. You fucked with the logo with those awful 3D ones in the early 2000s. Ugh. You fucked oh, with yeah, the those logo. are bad, too. Yeah, you fucked with the logo with the uh, with the 50th anniversary. You put gold in it. Like, just don't—the Flyers logo is perfect. Don't mess with it. That's number one. Number two, and this is my thing, the Flyers' color is orange. So every jersey the Flyers have, you have to highlight the orange. And if you ever don't highlight the orange, it's a bad jersey. That's why I hate the black jerseys, because they're boring. All you have is the orange trim. That's it. You, you might as well be the, the 90s Dallas Stars. Like, you're boring. So, to me, those are my two rules. And if you don't break those two rules, I'm generally cool with the jersey. And this jersey doesn't break those two rules, so I'm fine with it. Mm. I wish they would bring back the correct orange. That would make me hate things less, I think. Oh, yeah. You're one of the people who thinks that the current orange is too light, right? Yeah. It's not the right orange. I like this neon just because it is so fucking bright and ridiculous. It's, 
it is ridiculous. Yeah, and that's like, what that's it, what I like. I like stupid shit. Like when you put when they when I saw a picture of this reverse jersey up against the one that was reversed, like the difference in the orange, the old one is so much better. It's like a richer color. I don't know why they changed it. It's very yeah, they, annoying. They did. I wonder why they did. I, I should. I should ask some people in the organization why that happened because it, it yeah. is weird that like you do this reverse jersey, which is very clearly meant to be a reverse. So why don't you use the exact same color orange? Like why do they mm-hmm. move away from the the slightly darker shade of orange or this brighter one? I, there's got to be a reason. I, I would guess it's a marketing reason. Maybe maybe they think the lighter orange pops more on television or something, but. It is weird because they had that darker orange for years and years, and then, like, sometime around the 2010s, they just flipped it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, those, I, like, when they put out those orange ones, they were still wearing black. Their home jerseys now, like, they were still wearing those, uh, the Reebok black jerseys. Yeah, and then in the black. playoffs, NBC was like, yo, wear your orange. And then they went to the cup, and it just became their jersey. Uh, like... The alternates they wore, or the aways they wore at the 2010 Winter Classic were great. But I agree with Steph. I think their all-time best third jersey is the 2012 Winter Classic. Thank you. I agree with Steph. Yeah. Just end the podcast right it's, now. Oh, That's what Bill Matz just they're, they're, said. It's their, only, it's their only lace-up jersey. And, like, lace-ups yeah. are usually throwbacks. And since they didn't wear laces, it's their only opportunity to, like, do it. And, uh, like, it's pure orange, like Charlie says. It highlights the orange uh, the the numbers are cool. Like the nameplate is cool. The crest for the uh, for like the C's and the A uh, is the turnpike thing or yeah, the that, shield, I, whatever I the fuck they that. call it. Love that. Yeah, like it's ve- like I bought a Wayne Simmons one. One because I love Simmons, and two like I wanted something with the with the captain or assistant captain thing on there. So I do think those are probably the best. But I like the old blacks like Kelly too. Yay. I just like all Flyers jerseys, basically. I had a green one as a kid, loved it. I just uh, like, I don't like wearing a bright orange anything. It's not a good color for most people to wear. See, but that's so, really not. Yeah, but so that's why I it's can, great. Because, if like, I can wear a black jersey and still support the team, this is good for me. Yeah, but that's why it's I've great. I've got a gray is, is Flyers that... situation happening right now. Like, let's just go with colors that are good for people's complexions. The, the whole point of orange is that it's obnoxious. Like, yeah. We are, we are obnoxious. We're Philadelphia. We're Flyers fans. We're obnoxious. So we want to wear obnoxious things because we want to show people how obnoxious we are. That's why it's great. Yeah. No, the, the bright neon orange is very fuck you, and that's what I like about it. <laughs> I mean, I can't argue with that. I, like. It, 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 Do you know how hard it is to find a lipstick that matches with the orange jersey that you're wearing? I oh, driver, you're going to get it for that one. <laughs> I am a woman. I wear lipstick. It is difficult to find a lipstick that pairs with an orange jersey. I make it work, but it's difficult. See, I, I think like my my palette is is autumnal tones, so I I, I'm, I'm big on the orange. <laughs> how did we get here? I don't know. Autumnal we're gonna autumnal tones. We're, we're, I just love saying autumnal. It's like my favorite word. Good for you. Um, all right. So we're going to shift gears here and do a little bit of ice sport. Uh, the ice sport. Uh, we're going to talk about some other teams. Uh, I brought up, uh, we're going to start just here because I brought up Mike Hoffman. A, it must have been half an hour ago at this point. Uh, but what is up with Mike Hoffman? Like, is it really the, the behind the scenes stuff that's keeping him from getting signed? 
Is he just in a flat cap era, like a luxury teams can't afford? Like, you know, JVR got $7 million. Like, is that what he's looking at, like, on a five-year deal? And he's looking for that, and he's like, and teams are like, yeah, dog, nah, cap didn't go up, ain't happening. Like, is that what's happening here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's primarily the flat cap. I, I do think the fact that he's bad at defense, or at least I don't even know if he's bad at defense, because he wasn't terrible at defense with Ottawa. I think he just stopped giving a shit about defense. Um, I think that's part of it. But I, he I agree. went to I, Florida and stopped caring. That happens to everybody. I mean, fair, <laughs> completely fair point. But um, but I, I do think it's primarily the flat cap. You know, if it wasn't a flat cap, someone would have ponied up and, and given him, you know, a four or five year deal worth five six mil i don't doubt that but you know teams purse strings are tight right now either you're slammed up against the cap or you have cap space but your owner's telling you you can't spend it so it it makes it harder and you know a guy like hoffman i hoffman it's funny you you compare him to, to jbr and i think there's a lot there's a lot to that even though i think jbr is a better player than mike hoffman different stylistically around. well i think i think the, the comparison is that both of those players are kind of luxury players. Like yeah. they're not they're not core players. You don't sign a Mike Hoffman to be one of your core players and if you do you're a shitty team. What you do is you sign Mike Hoffman because you want that extra boost. You sign a JVR because you want to have a first line talent that can play on your third line. That's why you sign a JVR. Mike Hoffman is the same kind of thing. He's a luxury player. You have to shelter him a little bit, but he's going to get his goals. He's going to help you score goals. It's just that in a flat cap era, I don't know how many teams are willing to spend money on luxury players when they're having enough trouble keeping their actually important players. Yeah. So, in terms of sheltering him, I understand that idea. And, he like, he's not going to be a Philadelphia Flyer unless he takes a one-year, one $4 million deal. So, like, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying, like, in terms of sheltering him, why not go the other way and say... We have a Couturier and a Lindblom who are themselves shelter. They are their own home. Like, <laughs> put him there, have him score 40 goals, and, like, those two out there with a good defensive pair, he'll be fine. He can, he'll hide. He'll just hide. Stand near the blue line and fucking cherry pick. We got it. <laughs> they are their own home. That just made me really happy. God, yeah. Oscar Lindblom is so good at hockey. Yeah. Jesus. It's going to be fun like, seeing him back Oscar again. Lindblom, so a couple of days hockey. removed from cancer treatments, was making takeaways in the fucking playoffs. Seriously. Like, it's just stunning. Amazing. And his hair is starting to grow back, so he's got that flow going again. Yeah, God, I he's saw, just I, amazing. I, I, saw I think yesterday. he should stick with it. I would... I would I think he should go shaved head and be like, "Yup, suck it." I mean, it would be it would be badass, but at the same time, like when you can when you can have such good hair, I yeah. feel like you, I feel like you kind of owe it to all the rest of us that can't to do it. That's... Like when you have Oscar Lindblom tier hair, you just like it's it's a gift. It's a gift to humanity. I I, I feel like I'm like Ben Affleck talking to Matt Damon in um in Goodwill Hunting. Fuck like you. no no you owe it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yourself. This is about me. <laughs> all all of my balding friends when I cut my hair were like, ah, it might not come back, bud. <laughs> uh, anybody else on the market? Like, there's some guys who just haven't like there's. Uh, free agency, it's always fast and furious, and then you look around and go, hey, he's not on a team yet. Anybody still in the market kind of uh, kind of pique your interest? Like a Granlin, maybe a Maroon, 
I still kind of want Chara. I don't care if he's cooked. I just think it would be Why? fun. Oh. Uh, just for the funsies. I was I was going to ask you when I saw it on the outline, like, le like legitimately why, but I, eh, I get it. For yeah, fun. he's tall. He is, he is that. I saw him play with the Kentucky Thoroughblades when I was, like, nine. I just like him. <laughs> I, I actually, I didn't realize that Pat Maroon was still out there. I figured he, by now, he would have picked his team and offered to play for them for, you know, league minimum just to win another cup. Uh, yeah, I mean, I take Pat Maroon on it. Yeah, I take Pat Maroon on a cheap deal in a second. How? He's still drunk. Give him time. <laughs> yeah, he's just got like 30 unread texts, like nine voicemails. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> Bill, 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 Pat Maroon signed with the, the Lightning. He signed back ah, with them. He did? I was going to say, I, oh, I was going to say, I didn't. A lot. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think he was still out there. I was, I, I thought I might have missed that, but no, he signed a, an extension with the Lightning, it appears. Ah, well, fuck him. Um, no, you mentioned Granlin. Granlin's interesting to me, depending on the price. Like, yeah, he kind of fits, I, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, like, he's the kind of guy where I don't think it's going to fit because I think eventually he's going to get paid. But okay. if, he's if he's still hanging around and you can get him on a real cheap deal, then I'd take him in a second because he's a good player. He can, he can play center in a pinch. Like, he's not a center, but he can play it. So you have that option. And he's got familiarity with Fletcher, obviously, from the Minnesota days. He's a pretty good player. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if it's... If the end of November rolls around and he's still sitting out there and all the spaces are filled and you're like, hey, here's a one-year, $2 million prove-it deal, like, of course, I'd take him in a second. He's a good player. Do you think right, we'll have so $2 million left after Phil? I'm sure they could find a way. I mean, yeah. I, I, like, you move somebody out, you know, I, I, I think they could find a way. Probably. Life finds a way. Uh... Life finds a way. Life will out. So the Colorado Avalanche, uh, who did not win the Stanley Cup, much to my chagrin, are uh, they they had a pretty decent offseason so far. They got Brandon Saad, they got Devin Taves, uh, for seemingly not a ton. Uh, right now they are the favorite to win the Stanley Cup based on Vegas odds. Uh, they're at 750, followed by Vegas, or plus 750. Uh, Vegas is at 8-1, to one. Tampa's 9-1. to one. Do you agree with the Av status as the favorites at this point in the offseason? They're real good. I don't, I mean, I kind of think maybe Vegas on paper, if you're making odds right now, I would go Vegas. Vegas is good. I, I really wish, I mean, I, I, I know, like, and I'm not, like, a huge Stars person, but, like, the Stars run was fun. It, it was fun to see them kind of, uh, you know, you know, counter expectations and going to run but i really would have loved to have seen a vegas colorado series because that yeah. was just that would just have been two juggernauts and like i'm honestly not i'm not sure which one of those teams is better and that's the best series to me where like you go into it and you're like both these teams are really good i'm not sure like all the other series really this year you went into it and you're like I pr I'm pretty sure I know which team is better on paper, so it's just a matter of whether they play up to their potential. Whereas Vegas, Colorado, like maybe Colorado's got the edge now because Colorado's made some ads um, and they got guys back from if from injury and whatnot. But like those two teams are pretty damn evenly matched, and I would yeah. love to see them battled out. So I like yeah, Colorado's made some good moves, getting Brandon Saad, getting Devin Taves, like they're good moves, and they got young guys, you know. Bowen Byram might might jump up to the uh, you know to the NHL next year, so that only serves to make their defense even better. 
Um, presumably their goalies won't be hurt all the time this year or next year. So maybe on paper they look a little bit better, but Vegas is damn good too. So I, I feel like those two teams on paper should be the ones that are really duking it out for, for Western Conference supremacy. And maybe next year we'll get to see them in the Western Conference final. Yeah, and like their odds are 50 cents apart. Like they're they're basically the same at plus 750 and plus 800. Like they're thought of as the two best teams in the West. Really wanted to see them in the Western Conference Final and then either team against Tampa, I think would have just given us a better, like just a more entertaining series. Like the series was good. It was fine. But I think we all kind of knew where it was going and – Colorado and Vegas, I think, would have put up a little bit more uh, competitively. The Flyers currently have the fifth best odds. Uh, it's it's those three teams, and then uh, what? Boston, and then Philly. They're ahead of Toronto, St. Louis, and Washington. Seem ah, fair? I think so. People got people started to notice the Flyers during the the uh, round robin, and I don't think that's going to go away that easily. I think that other people that aren't Flyers fans can see clearly that this is a good hockey team. Yeah, I, I I kind of had mixed feelings about this because on one hand, I thought it was cool that like people in the national world are acknowledging the Flyers are good. At the same time, I do worry a little bit that they might be getting a little overrated going into next season. At the same time, I'm glad because it maybe served as kind of a wake-up call to the Flyers fans that are screaming that the team actually isn't very good. So it was very mixed feelings. Like, I'm worried that that it might be raising expectations too high, but I'm happy that, like, it kind of, you know, right now it seems like all the people that are saying actually the Flyers are good, like, calm down, are getting yelled at by the, like, do-something brigade that, mm-hmm. like, you're just biased orange tinted glasses flyers fan idiots and you you're okay with mediocrity and all this other bullshit so it was nice to see someone you know a a betting type of situation where like those people are meant to be unbiased that's their entire job they're trying to make money that respects the flyers and thinks the flyers are actually good even though they didn't go out and sign alex petrangelo and they didn't immediately replace matt niskin and they haven't traded for patrick line so that made me happy but i do wonder if like they might be a little bit overrated by them. I don't know. It's just That's, mixed feelings. Right now, they're rated as the third best team in the East by, and this is by betting odds. You know, uh, they're they're behind Tampa, obviously behind Boston, and then them. Yeah, I guess I guess we're expecting them to be good. And again, like it all comes down to Carter Hart. If Carter Hart's what we think, then they yep. are really one of those teams. It, nothing yep. else really matters. Like, obviously, yeah, scoring some fucking goals would be nice and all that. Like, maybe don't have a power play that scores in one game of the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, but, you know, if Carter Hart's what we think he is, this team is knocking on the door of elite, at least. God, that power play. Yeah. They're not going to fix it, fam. Because the guy has to fix itself. Like, oh, yes. Claude Giroux and James Van Reems, like, have to score on the power play. That's what has to happen. Fair. Like, that's... I forgot how bad it was. You reminded me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it when I was thinking about Mike Hoffman. But, of course, this is the ice sports section, so we move on. Uh, the Sabres signed Taylor Hall one year, $8 million. Uh Banking on himself, I guess, a little there. Trying to get paid a whole bunch uh I read uh, in a wish piece, and again, we love we we love Greg Wyshynski. I'm not shitting on him, of course, but I read the Sabers are relevant now. Ah. 
to which I replied, are they though? Uh, they also traded for almost 36-year-old Eric Stahl and bolstered their depth with a couple of signings. Are the Sabres relevant or are they just not terrible? I mean, we don't even know yet. Yeah. We gotta see how they play. Like, they could sign good players and still suck. Ask the Devils. Like, Taylor Hall isn't exactly... Like, he had an MVP season. He like, didn't, His though. regular season doesn't make you a winner. Like, what he does typically, you're not a winning team because of that. So the point I'll make about the Buffalo Sabres, and to be clear, like, I really like what they did with the Taylor Hall signing. I, yeah. love, the, I love the Eric Saul trade. Yeah. The Buffalo Sabres will not be a relevant team beyond maybe if everything breaks their way, sneaking in as like the final wild card until they stop deluding themselves into thinking that Rasmus Ristolainen is the number one defenseman. Like that, mm-hmm. that's their, that's their biggest thing. Like it's not even just that they have him on a bad contract, which they do. It's that like they insist on giving him 24 minutes a night when he's actively bad. Like, that is going to single-handedly torpedo your team when you think that an actually bad player isn't just not bad, but you think he's actually really good. Is Dave Haxtell their coach? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I, I presu- just, like, presumably, eventually, it's going to be Rasmus Dahlin who's going to take that job, but until yeah. he does, and until they acknowledge that Ristolainen is bad and use him, either get rid of him or use him as the number five defenseman that he should be used as, they're not going to be good because you can't have an actually bad number one defenseman and be good. Probably not. You know, it would be tough to overcome that, I would think. <laughs> you like, would think. For half the game at one of the most important positions, we have a bad player. Like, yeah, that seems uh, less than ideal. It's a bold strategy. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Buffalo. (laughs) And they couldn't even cover against Kansas City this week. Like, fuck them. Uh, Fuck the Pagoulas, all right? And fuck Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, so here's the, uh, here's the Kelly and Steph segment. Kelly, you're the only person that likes Buffalo in the entire world. Here's the Kelly and Steph segment, though. Oh. The Toronto Maple Leaves. Jumbo, baby. They went out and got Jumbo Joe. The Leaves. The Leaves. The Leaves. They'll be the Leafs when they win a fucking playoff series. How about that? (laughs) Like, who was the player whose name I couldn't say? Dale Weiss. Yeah, Dale Weiss. He'll be Dale Weiss when he scores a fucking goal. Whose name couldn't you say? I was going to say, which which one? (laughs) How long of a list are we working (laughs) with? The one I I always got wrong. Yeah, Dale Weiss. He'll be Weiss when he scores a fucking goal. Uh, So the Leaves went out and uh, get Joe Thornton. They get Wayne Simmons, so they'll be, you know, harder to play against. Uh, They get TJ Brody and Zach Bogosian to replace Tyson Barry and Cody Cece. That seems pretty good. Mm. Are they, like actually ready to take the next step do you see it kelly and steph the floor is yours i'm dealing with 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 men don't believe that women belong in sports so i've got a lot of other stuff going on um i think that they are strong endorsement yeah yeah, with a question mark at the end. I think they have the same problem that the Flyers have in that they have good players that don't play well and they need the good players to do good things. Mitch Marner specifically yeah. needs to be better. Uh, Austin Matthews, too. Yeah, like they have, they 
with looking at that team on paper, they should be able to win a lot of hockey games. And for some reason they don't. And it's because the guys aren't performing as well as they should. And that's a them problem. Like they need to, they need to be better. I also don't think that Frederick Anderson is a good goalie. I think he's, he's a fine. fine goalie. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he's he had fine. a real bad year last good. year. I, th- I think that that's the big thing for them for me next year is that if Frederick Anderson plays well, they should be fine. Because that was their big problem. Like, their, their two big problems last year were for the first two months of the year, the team was a mess for a lot of reasons, but a lot of it was because Mike Babcock wasn't doing a good job coaching them. So then they fired him. And then Sheldon Keith came in, and the team got better. It was just that the goaltending wasn't good. So, like, the underlying performance got better, but the goaltending didn't support them, so they stayed mediocre. And, like, I wasn't high on them last year because I was like, at some point you just have to assume that, like, a team is who they say they are and who the, who the Maple Leafs say they are is a mediocre at best team that doesn't play up to their talent. That was true last year. I don't think that's necessarily true next year. They still have a lot of talent. And if Frederick Anderson goes back to being a good goalie, like last year he was a bad goalie. If he goes back to being a good goalie, not a great goalie, just a good goalie, then the Leafs should be one of the best teams in the East. And they still have great high-end talent. I did like the TJ Brody signing for them a lot. I think that stabilizes their defense. So they should be good. It's just, is Frederick Anderson able to bounce back or is he just bad now? I guess we'll see. I know it's ice sport, but goddamn do I wish the Flyers would have brought in Joe Thornton on a one-year contract. Is that because of the four goals situation? I would say that's like third on the list. I <laughs> like, Im- imagine having Joe Thornton as your, I don't know, your three or four C. That's he's still good. Like he's old, but he's still good. If you're not giving him a ton of minutes, I think he's a pretty effective player. Didn't he like? Didn't he want to go to Toronto I because so. of his family? I think it's, it's his like family yeah. lived there or something. So it wasn't this wasn't a no. like why didn't the Flyers get Joe Thornton? Like he no, no, was no. only going to go to Toronto, right? Yeah, that's just me whining about yeah, them yeah. not getting Joe Thornton. That's not like a the you know the Flyers should have done like they they couldn't have. But I'm whining because I wanted them to. <laughs> I will say like on the surface I like their moves and like last like the last two years I've thought. Like, they're too young. I know bringing in Tavares, like, changed their timeline from a developing team to a, no, we're super skilled and we're going to win it this way and we're going to win it this way now. But, like, I just thought the core of your team is too young to be able to do these things right now. Bringing in Thornton, bringing in Simmons... Brody and Bogosian are both both 30. I think it helps them take that next step maturity-wise and readiness-wise, and obviously the players they have will be older because that's how time works. Uh, but I Is just kind of think... Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of think it's funny that, like, Joe Thornton is brought in for veteran leadership and playoff experience. He's had the C stripped off of him, and he's, like, the face of the chokers. You know, Wayne Simmons, I I like Joe Thornton. I just think it's funny. Like, narratively, it's funny. Like, Wayne Simmons, yeah, that would have been nice four years ago, huh? Like, (laughs) I I just, we're tougher to play against now, though. He'll score five goals, but he might get in five fights, too. Like, I just think it's kind of funny. But I I like the moves on the surface. To be fair, sorry, I was just going to say that, like, Simmons and Thornton are, like, kind of the platonic ideal locker room leader type guys. And when you have a bunch of like flashy, cocky, 
I play in Toronto, I'm a hockey player, and I'm I, my shit doesn't stink players in your locker room, maybe it's good to have two guys who are at the tail end of their career, but they will whip you into shape in the locker room because they're not going to put up with your bullshit. Like, maybe that's good. No, I, I agree with that. I, I think that, um, you know, obviously intangibles are intangible. You can't measure them. But I think there's probably some truth to the fact that, you know, Toronto could benefit from guys who enter that locker room and immediately have clout. You know, immediately come in with the ability to just basically be like, get your shit together. And Wayne Simmons is more than willing to say that. I mean, he, that was his role in Philly, was to be the, the bad cop to Claude Giroux's good cop. And Joe Thornton's been through pretty much everything. I mean, aside from winning a cup, he's pretty much been through everything in the NHL. He's a future Hall of Famer. And every player in that locker room, if they have any sense of self-awareness whatsoever, is going to respect him off the bat because he's Joe Thornton. So I think that's important. Um, one thing I did want to say, though, because Bill was talking about funny things, you know what I <laughs> still find really funny? And this is part of the reason why I think the TJ Brody signing is going to be so good for them is the fact that, and like, I get it that they were trying to get out from under a bad deal and whatnot, but Toronto was cap strapped last year. They had no space to do anything. And they had Cody Cece on a $4.5 million cap hit all season. Like they chose to have Cody Cece on that much money an actively bad player (laughs) when they had no cap space. Like, it just it's, it boggles my mind that a team that is otherwise smart did not just not qualify. Like, they traded him for Zaitsev. And, like, I don't know why they didn't just not qualify the guy. Like, just just get rid of him. Just just get rid of him. Just be like, bye. Okay, we traded Zaitsev for nothing. It's fine. We'd rather have actually good players playing than, yeah. than light $4.5 million on, on fire mm-hmm. of our cap and actively dress a bad player in our top four. That was mind-boggling to me. It still is. Cody CC. Say it, like Steph. Come on. Pee-pee. Okay, there you go. Thank you, Kelly. You're welcome. All right, uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. I just want to add, like, any other teams or players or moves or whatever stand out to you, and why is it Mike Smith back to Edmonton? Oh, I just think like the, what the Penguins and the Rangers are doing just makes me laugh a lot. And thank you for just being idiots. God, I love you guys for being just the dumbest shit run organizations see the thing with the rangers that piss me off the 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 penguins just make me laugh now because rutherford is just making dumb decision after dumb decision after dumb decision and he's probably flushing the last few really good years of Sidney crosby and of getting walking down the toilet and 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 i love it i love it oh god (laughs) honestly you hate to see it but the thing with the rangers (laughs) that pisses me off is that like they do dumb things and then they get bailed out because they keep winning fucking lotteries Mm mm-hmm like, yeah. their rebuild should not work. The only reason why Ugh. it's worked is because they've won two lotteries and then two players really wanted to play in New York, Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin. That's it. They got lucky. Their rebuild would have been a disaster if they wouldn't have gotten lucky. And Did Stanley Cup ca- champion Kevin bad? Shattenkirk. Oh, fucking Shattenkirk. Which they screwed up. <laughs> I <know>. Right? <laughs> Like, do they know that New York smells bad and that the Rangers play in a train station? Do I don't know. know I think we should People tell them that. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. People do forget that. All right. Do we have anything else? Anything anyone wants to say? I'm really sad that we didn't get our draft party this year. I am too. I'm really sad about it. When this it. is over, we're so, going to have to throw, like, the biggest party ever. The biggest Get ready. Party. Yeah. So you can't come in unless you're vaccinated against the Rona, but... Yeah, you're going to have to bring your papers. 
bring your papers. <laughs> oh god. It's just gonna like it's just been a tough year and, and the fact that we couldn't have the draft party just made it like that much worse and I miss seeing all of your faces, so we'll get all together. <laughs> Those are words. We'll get everyone together <laughs> when we can. Yeah, on on draft night, like I was sitting there, I just got home from work, I'm chilling and I'm like this fucking sucks. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> Getting tanked it by sucks. myself while enjoyable, not as fun. <laughs> yeah. All right, that, that, is fun. that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. I want to give a special shout-out to Doc Emmerich on his retirement. I love you, Doc. I don't care what anyone says. For my money, you're my all-time favorite hockey announcer. Uh that's it. Uh, my name's Bill Matz. For Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph, have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports?